A few years ago, my wife was diagnosed with a very serious condition. Uh, she was diagnosed with having stage 3B cancer in the colon. It was a very trying time for us as a family and a very difficult time. And even though she had maintained a lifestyle that was healthy, uh, nonetheless she contracted the, contracted the disease. And the doctor told us it's just part of living. It's part of living on this earth. Two years ago or three years ago, uh, our youngest son Daniel was dead. He, um, heart, his heart stopped beating as a result of an embolism that developed and went through his heart and rested in his lungs. It was a shock for us because he was a young, strong man. And in the episode, on two occasions, his heart stopped beating. And the doctors tell us that because of his size, he's a big, strappy young man, and because of his determination to, to live, he forced himself to stand up when he lost his consciousness, and that moved the embolism through his heart into his lungs. It was a traumatic time for us, because he heart stopped beating for a while. Today he is doing fine. Last year myself as a Bible teacher I travel in various parts of the world and as a result of traveling in high pressure environment I developed a deep vein thrombosis, a severe deep vein thrombosis. And even though initially I was misdiagnosed by the doctors in Malawi where I was teaching at the time, the Lord preserved me and I was able to get the treatment I needed here in South Africa. It was also a traumatic time. It was a long and torturous discovery. I mean, a long and torturous recovery. But my experience or our experience in this family is not unusual. If you are in this life, you are, most of us will, if not all of us will experience difficulties. Uh, most of us at one point in time will experience loss. And so the question that comes to mind is how do we face those times in our lives when we do experience trauma and loss. Uh, we find that in Mark chapter 6, verses uh, 45 to verse 54, we have the incident of our Lord walking on the ocean, walking on the water, the surface of the water. And even though there are many theories about that, but the Bible clearly states that he walks on water. He walked on water. So the question 
that I ask, and the question that we should ask is, why did he do that? And we look in the circumstances surrounding that, it's his disciples were going through a torturous time. And Jesus walked on water to teach him specific lessons concerning him and how they can trust him in times of tremendous difficulty, in times of loss. What preceded this incident of Jesus walking on water was another miraculous incident. Because in Mark chapter 30 verse 44 we have a description of Jesus feeding the 5,000. It took two dried fish and five loaves of bread or rolls of bread made of barley. He took that and multiplied it enough to feed 5,000 people. In addition to that, there were leftovers. There were 12 baskets full of fragments. And the Bible tells us everyone was satisfied after they have eaten. And instead of um, reveling in that glorious event, Jesus does something strange because in verse 45 we read immediately he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side to Bethsaida while he sent the multitudes away. So he doesn't take time to reflect. He rather immediately sent them away, his disciples as well as the crowd. And then this gives us a reason in verse 46. And when he sent them away, he went or departed to the mountain to pray. Now we have these, the setting. The disciples are in the middle of the ocean. The crowd has been sent home. Jesus is on the hill or the mountain where he was praying. And then we read that now when evening came, the boat was in the middle of the sea and he was alone on the land. So there was a separation between him and his disciples. And what Jesus did there in verse 48 is that he saw them straining at the rowing. The translation is tends to smooth out what was going on. What Jesus saw in verse 48 is that they were making torturous progress. They were, the, the, the Greek word there is that they were battling. And it gives us the reason. He says, for the wind was against him. So we have the circumstances there is that the disciples who were, for the most part, seasoned fishermen who grew up in the area, and yet they were making torturous progress because of the conditions. And we are reminded that the conditions or the wind was against them. 
That's a circumstance. And there are people under the sound of my voice who might be experiencing that. Is that they were they are making you are making torturous progress because the circumstances is not conducive. In other words, it's against you. And Jesus the passage says he saw that. Let's not let's un- underline that word he saw. And so it was dark. It was um, the circumstances and the conditions were blurred. It was evening. You would could imagine that the the darkness combined with the strong wind and the spray of the water made visibility almost impossible. And given the distance that he was from them, he could not have seen much physically. But it tells us in verse 46 that he, in verse 48, he saw them straining at the oars. And I think that's a very important place in the text to pause, is that Jesus sees what they are going through. Now, the question that we should ask is, what did he see? He saw them struggling. Now, that innocent term that Jesus saw, or Jesus sees, is very important in this Gospel of Mark. Because Mark places a very strong emphasis on Jesus seeing. We find that throughout the text, throughout the the text of the Gospel of Mark, we find Jesus sees. For example, in Mark chapter 1 verse 16, he sees the disciples. Mark chapter 1 verse 19, he sees the disciples. Mark chapter 2 verse 14, he sees the disciples. It's either when he sees them, it was a glance of calling. On the other times, there was a time where he was rebuking them. Or there was a time when he was teaching them. And when Mark uses that term, he sees, he's communicating that Jesus wasn't just seeing the obvious, but he's looking beyond the obvious. And that glance of his was a glance of calling, or a glance of rebuke, or a glance of teaching. Or in Mark chapter 10, verse 21, we find that Jesus sees the disciples. He saw Barnab- um, He saw the Bartimaeus. He, it was a look of affirmation. Prior to this text, we find in Mark chapter six, verse thirty-four, that Jesus saw the crowd, and he was moved with compassion. It was a look of compassion. And here in the Gospel of Mark, chapter six. We find that Jesus sees, but he sees beyond the obvious. He sees with supernatural insight. Even though the circumstances were dark, even though the wind was blowing, even though the spray from the water was blocking the natural vision, we find find that nonetheless Mark describes to us that Jesus sees. 
from a distance. From the hill, in the darkness, he was able to penetrate to the boat in the middle of the sea. And Jesus' supernatural vision enables him to see from afar, away in the darkness, that his disciples were being tormented by the conditions. Later on in the text, we find that the disciples are blinded by what they perceive to be Jesus, and they thought he was a ghost. But yet Jesus sees with supernatural insight as to what is going on, and he does something about it. He goes to them walking on the sea. And there's one thing that I take some form of comfort from this, is that as a Christian and as a follower of Jesus Christ, Jesus is not unaware of the pain that we are going through. It may seem, it might seem, that no one understands what you are going through, whether it's a loss of a child, whether it's a loss of health, whether it's a loss of opportunity, we find that as Christians we are able to entrust ourselves to our Lord Jesus Christ because He is able to see with supernatural insight into our pain. But not only is He reduced as a spectator, but rather He is able to do something about the pain that we go going through. And we find here Jesus does something. He says, without much fine fare, he reminds us that in the midst of the torment, the, in the midst of their struggling and the torture, as they were making torturous progress, Jesus says, it says, they goes out to them walking on the sea. In other words, that not only is he able to do, able to see their circumstances, He's able to do something about it. Remember, the order from our Lord was to go to the other side, to Bethsheba. And the wind and the circumstances were driving them, of course. Jesus sees that, and he comes to them, and he does, and he does to them that only, what only God can do in the Old Testament. For example, in Job chapter 9, verse 8, we read that Job says, God alone stretched out the heavens and trampled the waves on the sea. Jesus is doing what only God could do. Or in Job chapter 9, verse 11, Behold, he passes me by, but I see him. He moves on, but I do not perceive him. Or even as the psalmist writes in Psalm 77 verse 19, Your way was through the sea, your path through the great waters, yet your footprints are unseen, were unseen. Jesus did not walk on the water to entertain or to dazzle his disciples. He does this to reveal his identity as the Son of God. And what he's saying here by this action is that since I am the Son of God and I'm doing what only God could do in the Old Testament, you can trust me. 
Isaiah chapter 43 verse 16. For the prophet tells us there, he says, Thus says the Lord, who makes a way in the sea, a path in the mighty waters. Jesus is showing himself to his disciples that by rescuing them from the storm, he is doing what only God has done in the Old Testament, and that is making a way in the middle of the ocean. He did that when he opened up the Red Sea for Moses and the people of Israel to go through. Jesus is doing what only God can do. He is making a path in the mighty waters. That is why Habakkuk tells us in chapter 3, verse 15, You trampled the sea with your horses, the surging of mighty waters. Or in Psalm 77, verse 16, When the waters saw you, O God, when the waters saw you, they were afraid. Indeed, the deep trembled. And what our Lord is communicating to his disciples is that when your circumstances is against you, when it seems as if you can make that you are making torturous progress, that what gives you a sense of assurance is that God and Jesus is seen. He is aware of our circumstances. And so when you are feeling alone and you are tormented by life's challenges that threatens to drive us off course, we need to remember that Jesus is aware, he sees, and is able to do something about the circumstances. And so the disciples learned a very important lesson. He sees and he does something. And because he is able to see with supernatural insight, he is able to do something about the circumstances. And so whatever you're going through today, whatever difficulties you might be facing, I want you to know that we serve a God who sees, but is also able to do something. And we find that in the text he still the water, he quiets the sea and put them back on course. And what Jesus does by walking on the water, he communicated to his disciples that he is the manifestation of the God of the Old Testament who's able to make a path in the mighty waters. So what did the disciples do? We find that Jesus intended to pass them by and when the disciples saw him they thought it was a ghost because it says there is that in verse um, 49 that when they saw him walking on the sea they thought it was a phantom or a ghost and cried out and we are told the extent of their fear for they were greatly troubled for they all saw him. And we find that uh, they cried out when they saw him. They were troubled, but immediately 
he identifies himself. Ergo, 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 I. Um, it is I, do not be afraid. We find that they crying out out of fear. They were afraid. They were deadly afraid. But what Jesus does, he identifies himself and he comforts them in verses 50 to 51. They all saw him. They were deeply troubled. Jesus walks on the water, on the sea like God, and he answers them like the true God. It is I, do not be afraid. Ergo, am I, do not fear. Whenever God reveals himself to his people, it's always followed by the, by the exhortation of don't be afraid. In the Greek it says literally, I, I am which is the same phrase which God used when he revealed himself to Moses in the burning bush in Exodus chapter 30, chapter 3, verse 14. Jesus not only demonstrates that he is like God by having control over the forces of nature, he uses God's name to identify himself. Ergo am I, agai, it is me. And later on we find that um, earlier on in the similar experience, in Mark chapter 4, verse 35 to 41, the disciples asked a question after he stilled the storm. Who is this that even the wind and the waves obey him? And the answer comes in this section. Ergo am I. It's what is called a self-identification. Who is this? He says, this is Jesus, who is God himself. We find that he identifies himself with the same words that God uses in the Old Testament. For example, in Isaiah chapter 43, verse 10 to 11, God says, You are my witnesses, says the Lord, my servant whom I have chosen, so that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me no God was formed, nor shall there be any after me. I, I am the Lord. Besides me, there is no, no Savior. He uses the term, I am the Lord. Ergo am I. Do not be afraid. And so the disciples, even though in spite of, even though they've been given the front seat, uh, to see what's going on in Jesus' life, even though they have seen the miracles, even though they have seen God multiplying the bread through Jesus Christ, still do not fully understand his identity. And because the disciples did not fully comprehend the true identity of Jesus Christ, they misinterpreted his walking on the sea. And they thought it was a sea demon, it was a ghost. And they responded with unbelieving fear. And that is why he cries out to them, Do not be afraid, it is I. He is showing them the true identity of Jesus Christ. And what he does there is very important. Number one, he walked on water for the benefit of his disciples. It does three things there, four things. Number one, he gives a full revelation of himself. I am. I am God. 
He comforts them to not be afraid. He removes the passage says the source of their distress. The wind dies down when they get into the boat and he places them back on the destination that they were planning to go. He places them back on course. And here we have Jesus revealing himself not only as the one who's able to multiply the fish and the bread he's able to comfort them in the midst of the storm he identifies himself he comforts them he removes the source of their distress he places them back on course and so when i think about the circumstances that are going through i can face the future with full assurance that i can trust him because he is the true son of god the i i am i can trust him because he's comforting me in the midst of my pain and if god wills he can remove the source of the pain in this case it was the wind and puts us back on course what i need to understand when i go through those difficulties i need to understand three very important things number 1 jesus is aware of my circumstances he sees it and he will respond appropriately to correct the circumstances i can trust him by walking on water jesus he has revealed to his disciples and also to us that he is able to do what god has done in the old testament and therefore he is able to relieve the stress of their circumstances by walking on water jesus does another thing he assured his disciples that they can trust him because number 1 is that he they have they have that he gives them a full revelation of himself he is god the i am of the old testament that he can comfort us by saying do not fear is able to remove the source of the stress is able to put us back on the course we are going through life we experience in life and with life comes challenges sometimes many times it seems as if we are making torturous progress but this portion of scripture teaches me that when i'm feeling alone and tormented by life's challenges that threatens to drive me of course i need to remember that he's aware of my circumstances and he can do something about it i also need to remember that i need to study god's word and internalize what i know about christ so that when crisis comes 
I may be encouraged to know that the I am of the Old Testament and the I am of the New Testament, that is Jesus Christ himself, is with me in my circumstances. When I'm tormented by external forces, I can rest in the knowledge that Jesus sees and that he can do something about our circumstances. When we feel that we are making torturous progress, I can remember that he's the one from God who can remove the circumstances. I can internalize the truth about him. And then I can rest in the knowledge that he's able to see, he's aware, and is able to remove and do something about those circumstances. In short, I can trust Jesus when I'm making torturous progress in this life. Thank you.